Welcome to this week's Shoot the Moon podcast, broadcasting live and direct from Revenue Rocket World Headquarters in Bloomington, Minnesota. Uh, as you know, if you're regularly tuned into this podcast, Revenue Rocket is the world's premier growth strategy and M&A advisory firm for tech-enabled services companies. Today, I'm pleased to have my partner, Ryan Barnett, with me in the studio. Ryan, welcome. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me here today. We have been getting a lot of questions lately about sales teams and sales teams effectiveness and, and putting sales teams in place. And, and, uh, Mike, you've been selling things for, 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 I think all of your life going back to way back, way back to the Apple days and distribution days. And, uh, you've learned a trick or two today. I was hoping that we could pick your brain a bit on once you've hired a salesperson or even taking a look at should you hire a salesperson, uh, we just recorded a podcast on that. It's out there on your favorite podcast platform. But we, we titled this one kind of the don't make the $100,000 salesperson mistake and how hiring a salesperson won't fix your sales issues. And Mike, just let's get us started on this topic. Uh, why is it important for or what things do companies need to think about before hiring a salesperson. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting topic, one that I'm really passionate about. I think, you know, when you think about if you're an entrepreneur that started an IT services company, you know, you had to figure out how to sell work, right? As a founder and when it was only you, you had to sell some work in order to kind of get the ball rolling in the business. And, you know, and maybe you've continued to do that all along, or maybe you've hired some salespeople and stubbed your toe a few times. But bottom line is you have to build an infrastructure ahead of and around a salesperson for them to be successful. And oftentimes, you know, we hear particularly from technically oriented business owners that either they feel they're not very good at sales or they don't want to be selling or it's just something they prefer to be doing something else in the business versus selling. And, and I think as much as, you know, that may be the case, you're probably were the first salesperson for your business and probably even today the best salesperson in your business, even though you may not see it that way. But what's critical is that, you know, having a clear understanding of your ideal prospect profile, being able to build some marketing and lead gen, infrastructure and execute on that plan, as well as having a strong sales process and a profile of what a successful salesperson looks like, are all prerequisites to hiring a salesperson. We've certainly seen many, many folks kind of in our orbit, if you will, or people that we've worked with that have hired us to help them optimize their growth strategy, hire salespeople prematurely. Surely, I call that the hundred thousand dollar mistake, right? Because none of those, none of that infrastructure was actually in place. And if they had taken that, you know, hundred thousand dollars and invested it in building that infrastructure ahead of time, when they did hire the salesperson, they would have been able to, you know, at least lay the foundation for a successful hire. And you know, I, th I think a lot of folks just think hiring that salesperson is going to solve the problem and you know, the point here is that that's not really the case. You have to have all these other components to really be successful with building a sales organization. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a good start. I think the, one of the things that we run into oftentimes is there are such intimate client relationships within the technology world that oftentimes uh, sales can almost be perceived as a, a dirty act or a dirty word. And, and I'd, I'd like to say that's a first line of thinking is that having a sales motion throughout the company, whether it's someone opening a door in a business development rep, someone who's uh, working in farming accounts or someone who's finding new business, it's critical for those functions to be engaged and actually embracing sales as a function that is important in a company. A lot of firms that we deal with, referral is the number one channel. And if you're looking to grow the company, you're going to have to break through just referrals and working through people that you already know and start to embrace sales as something that is actually critical and vital to the, to the growth of the firm. I would also add on that, Brian, that that ahead of that, more importantly, is understanding who your ideal prospect profile is. We've talked to countless firms that say, you know, we kind of work with these kinds of companies, but, you know, when push comes to shove, anybody who's willing to hire us, we're going to work with. And that is a mistake. At the end of the day, it takes very, it takes quite a bit of discipline to align the business to focus on a particular target market. And once you do that and figure that, that out, all of the follow-on marketing motions get much easier. I think where a lot of firms get stuck is they, yeah, we generally do this function. Let's say it's custom development or managed services for small businesses or this or that. But they don't really fully think about, you know, what is their ideal prospect profile? How do they reach them? Where do those folks exist? And because of that, they can't effectively market because they're just too thin on marketing. They're broad. They're trying to market their technical competency and their functional competency, and and they're not aligned vertically. And You know, we've obviously recorded a lot of podcasts on some of these topics, but at the end of the day, if it's a shotgun, you're, you're not going to be very effective. It's got to be a rifle approach on the M&A side or, or, I mean, on the customer acquisition side in order to be effective in marketing. And, and effectiveness in marketing or having consistent marketing motions is a prerequisite to really being effective in sales. And so I think when you think about your sales problem, it sort of manifests itself maybe as a sales problem, but really oftentimes it's a, it's a problem about more of a bigger problem and more of a growth strategy problem, which is who's our IPP? Are we effectively marketing to our IPP and creating interest? Um, and then if we are, how do we then translate that into a strong sales process, one that's as disciplined, one that is organized like a, what we call a flywheel or an assembly line, meaning that all of the components have been sort of baked and that you can sell sort of a limited set of services that you know your IPP will want. Those are all important things in order to lay the foundation for having success with sales in a tech-enabled services business. Mike, I think you, you touched on uh, something that we, we've we worked with uh, where a company really needs to specialize in something that you do. Uh, so it, you can't do application 
partnering application development, cybersecurity, managed services, RPA, and everything else, and expect a salesperson to understand uh, or even find or qualify an account without some specialty. So uh, out of all those, that acronym SOUP, you have to ideally pick one or two that you're really, really good at and enable your sales team or person to look for opportunities that fit that specialty. Uh, you've also alluded to to the vertical market uh, focus. Uh, once you specialize on a technology that specializes, that technology has to be adopted for the needs of a market who have really very niche concerns. Uh, we've seen some very interesting companies that have found very niche businesses in which they can grow the business uh, actually through referral once you get into the vertical but first they had to understand the, the critical needs of that industry and execute well on it. And the third one, and this is probably the, the part where most companies really start to f- fall down, is that it's very easy to look at every solution as something that needs to be custom built. And uh, as a CEO and owner, you can often walk into a firm, realize I can, I, here's the problem, here's all the tools I can solve it, and I can go solve that. Transferring that knowledge to a new salesperson is nearly impossible unless you give them some narrowed set of offerings to execute upon selling. So it's critical that you uh, productize your offerings in a way that allows a salesperson to identify the need, apply the specialty that you're at, target the industries that you're looking for, and within that, the size of the industry and the geography of the companies that you're dealing with, and then sell them a finite level of solutions that help open the door and then move to your to your offerings. But we uh, work with many firms that uh, to institute uh, this process to, to develop those offerings, to, to hit those compelling needs, to, reasons to buy, and to go uh, execute campaigns. Uh, that helps make salespeople actually have something very uh, discreet to sell instead of selling the uh, impossible of a services uh, type sale. Yeah, I would also add, Ryan, that, you know, what's really interesting here is as we're kind of coming up to uh, Super Bowl for 2023, uh, we're looking at that coming in a few weeks here. You know, there's the whole concept of playing offense and playing defense. A lot of what we're talking about here is creating a platform so that your salespeople can play offense effectively. It is required in a tech-enabled services business that you play offense Certainly, you can play defense, and you probably have been doing that pretty effectively, meaning that you can respond to a lead or a referral and then have a a conversation with someone and then determine how you might be able to help them. And the reason that is is you probably have some implied credibility with that buyer because someone they trust has probably made a referral or a connection, someone that they know or someone that they have a relationship with has made that referral. So you have some implied credibility, uh, some goodwill, if you will, to be able to utilize. If you play offense, the only way you get that is if you have a very narrow niche that you're targeting as it relates to productized offering and vertical and the intersection of those productized offerings and vertical. Because that particular buyer Wants you, wants to perceive you as a low risk option. You get a little bit of that with the goodwill and the referral, even if you don't have it all baked. You don't get any of that if you're sort of doing greenfield, 
lead development, lead generation, or sales to someone that's never heard of you. So you have to create an environment where you can do that. And you do that by having a very narrow intersection of the solution, where you're an expert, or the offering, and the vertical market. Because that buyer looks to say, where have you done this work in companies like mine? So that I can have confidence or I can trust that you know what you're doing in my business. And so, you know, that's just more food for thought. I think a lot of, you know, technical services owners push back on the concept of verticalization because they say, well, I don't want to say no to anybody. Again, this is a hint that you're probably playing defense. If you're effectively playing offense and you want to be, you know, the number one or number two firm in your market that services a particularly narrow niche of vertical and solution, you don't worry about that stuff. You know, you're effective at creating demand and conversations. And then because you've positioned yourself credibly, you can move the sale along. And I think that's something that needs to be certainly thought about as you go to market. You know, have we historically played defense? How do we pivot to playing offense? And you can certainly change your thinking about that. I think from our perspective, you know, I'll play a little commercial. We certainly do a lot of that kind of work in our growth strategy advisory team here and helping firms to become much more focused on uh, where they have the highest likelihood of being successful. And part of doing that helps you also eliminate competition. You're absolutely right. And it, and it gives uh, marketing an opportunity to go execute as well. If I look at before you hire a salesperson, what things do you need? You need a target market that you're going after. And by the way, it could be someone that's a, got a great Rolodex, but oftentimes most, it's unless it's a Rolodex in the, in the vertical markets that you go after, introduce a brand new introduction to random firms won't help you any farther than anyone who has a more specialized offering. So I think the other part, once you have that prospect profile found out, it certainly helps to have some kind of air cover from marketing. Uh, marketing should be able to provide a list of leads for you and the number of companies that need proactive outreach. Uh, it should be reaching out to those companies through advertisements and through uh, marketing activities. So whether it might be a display ad, a LinkedIn ad, or a Facebook ad, or Meta, something on the Meta property, you should be able to at least target companies and start to soften the shore so when your sales team actually executes, uh, they are there to target the right people who have already heard of you and have already have options. The other part is if you're looking at this and the marketing's in place and leads are being generated and leads are being followed up on, Sales teams thrive when they have a bit of structure. Uh, they might grumble a bit about building things out in the in a CRM or a Salesforce uh, automation system, but at the very least, they need some kind of process. Mike, can you give us a little insight on what process or tools a salesperson needs or what a company needs before you hire a salesperson? Yeah, I mean, I think at a very baseline, you know, you need to have a productized offering and pricing. And this sounds like a simple thing, but it's not so simple. You can't create a science project every time you do a deal. So to the point that Ryan made earlier, you either need to sell a wedge, which we think is a good opportunity. Oftentimes those are assessments or early phase engagements to scope a particular amount of work with a client. 
or a very easy to buy solution that has a good value proposition. And it can't be something where you need to go spend a week uh, with a client trying to determine what their environment is and what the situation is and, you know, all singing, all dancing solution customized for every customer. If you do that, you're going to have a very challenging time trying to be successful. So salespeople need a very defined solution set to be sold to a very specific type of customer that would typically have a very specific problem. And with that, you have to have some very easy-to-align pricing model. And there's a variety of ways to do that, but, you know, sometimes it's based on the scope of the project. Sometimes it's based on the client's ability to pay, as crazy as it sounds. Sometimes it'll be uh, more of a subscription. It just depends, but it needs to be a way that the client can easily understand your value proposition and make the buying decision. Most buying decisions are made emotionally. So if you haven't made your offering easy to buy, you'll sort of miss the window of opportunity for them to acquire or do business with your company because they're not going to make an emotional buy over a period of weeks of you doing discovery. It's usually something that is made at a particular inflection point in the sales process. So that's pretty critical, right? Define solution for a defined market at a defined price. Also, you need an effective CRM system. CRM system should be connected with marketing. You need to understand what marketing has been done to an individual target, where they are in the sales process. You need to understand the concept of a marketing qualified lead and a sales qualified lead. And once it's sales qualified, how you're going to move them through the buyer journey, as some, some folks call it. And then what the disposition of that is, whether it's a successful sale or whether it's likely to be successful later, or whether you're just going to you determine that they're not qualified, right? I mean, there's not too many doors to open here, right? It's usually a good opportunity now. It could be a good opportunity later where you're going to turn it back to marketing for long-term nurture, or you're going to determine that because of some reason they're outside of the bounds of the IPP, that they are, uh, that they are not qualified. Um, and, and then I think, you know, if those things are in place and you can measure sort of the activity that gets aligned with what you've determined is success, I think you'll be pretty surprised with the results. I would also argue, and this is a mistake that a lot of people make in our industry, they confuse hunting with farming or, you know, what's involved with working with existing clients or existing friends of the firm about getting additional business uh, versus hunting, which is finding new greenfield companies that have never worked with your business. The skills that are required to do those two things are very, very different. And we recommend that most sales organizations have different people doing those two things. Now, it's easy tendency, especially if you're a small business, to say, hey, we got to have our salesperson do hunting and farming. And you know, understand they may not be effective at one or the other. They may have a tendency to be better at farming or better at hunting. But I think the more mature sales organizations realize that those are different roles and typically different people and their compensation plans should also be different in those roles. And both of those things are required for long-term success in sales. I would add to that, Mike, that it, uh, I believe even that hunting needs to be uh, into a, a bit of uh, scouting and 
tossing the net <laughs> compared to the, the hunter who might uh, make the final 10 marks to finish a deal. There is a personality type that is great at opening doors and getting to an opportunity, and there's a, a different personality type that is, is there to get the deal done. And if you have the right processes in place and the right team in place, you should evaluate what you need in your sales process of, do I need someone to get more on my current accounts? Do I need someone to crack open a door? Or do I need someone to get a deal done once that uh, door has been opened from a marketing and business development route? I'll add, Ryan, that I think if you're kind of new to adding the sales function to your business, you're probably already doing farming pretty effectively, right? So you may do that through a project manager role or an account manager role or even as a leader in the business. That might be where you spend most of your time, right? Taking care of your existing clients, looking for additional business, asking for referrals. Those are all kind of farming activities, right? So I wouldn't want you to read into the, hey, you got to go out and hire two sales guys or, you know, you got to have a complete infrastructure around that has to be built around farming and hunting. Uh, it's just don't confuse sort of the role, responsibility, and personality types in those two roles. You may already have a completely effective farming function inside the business. You just have to understand what it is and how it works and sort of enable that function for success as well as sort of, you know, think about some of these things on the new company, new client, greenfield acquisition of customers outside. Mike, this has been a great topic here today. If I, if I summarize a few things that I heard, before you go and hire a salesperson, uh, you need to have a specialty in the market. Uh, you need to be able to have a product focused on that market, and your service are productized enough that a salesperson can actually go and sell. So things like uh, an offering, offering description, and pricing are critical to finding an opportunity for your salesperson to, to go execute upon. Uh, you need some basics in place, like uh, you need some marketing. You need some tools like uh, CRM or a Salesforce automation system. Uh, and you need ability for the salesperson to clearly uh, track their work to help execute. I heard a bit about making sure you have the right roles in place if, when you do find a person, and that can be business development uh, or accounting account type reps, uh, and oftentimes those those roles are, are, are vastly different. You know, we, we get this question uh, almost daily. It's critical for us to, to focus on and, and it helps out throughout your entire sales uh, sales process. So get these steps right before you start making some of those big hires. And uh, once you do make those hires, uh, they'll be much more successful in executing. With that, Mike, I'll, I'll toss it over to you for any final comments and bringing the show to an end. All right. Sounds good, Ryan. Thanks. You know, with that, We'll tie a ribbon on it for this week, and hopefully you found these topics valuable in helping to enable growth and success of your tech-enabled service business. Please tune in next week, uh, unpack and explore uh, more topics associated with growing your business and uh, related M&A topics. Take care and have a great week.